With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Barbara Wesley Gray speaking to you live on Grassroots Holistic Health Talk radio show. It's a pleasure to have you with us again. And indeed, um, I'm looking forward to this show being an exciting one. Um, we were scheduled to interview the legendary Eric Frazier, and uh, unfortunately, we had some traffic delay, and he should be momentarily here uh, presently. I'd just like to just take the time right now to, as always, to honor the Most High, to honor our ancestors, and to give thanks for the fact that indeed we're able to air this show. It is only by the grace and the blessings of the Most High that we woke up this morning, as we all know, and it's indeed a blessing for us to have the capacity and the capabilities of communicating with us through this particular medium called social network and in this case, Blog Talk Radio. So we're truly thankful. I would be remiss if I didn't uh, in, in, in introduce my lovely wife, Dr. Dora Gray, who's with us in our studio. Hi, hon, how are you doing? I'm doing great to all of those listening on your computers or your mobile devices, Alafia. Ah, yes, yes, Alafia, indeed. Peace and blessings. Uh, before we start and continue, I'd like to uh, play a tune that um, Brother Eric Frazier uh, named his latest CD, and that's in the same place. So uh, please hold on, and we will definitely be back with you momentarily. Somebody has to tell me what it means I think I'm falling too much in love Cause you're the only one I'm thinking of Some days I stroll down to 
the pause I sit and gaze Until it's dark I wonder why I feel this way You're in my head There's nothing else to say One love that's us It's the way it should be Open my heart You have the lock and key When we're together You make me feel so good Baby, I'm so glad I finally understood So if you don't mind Let's talk about it, girl I want to take time To have you in my world You show me the love And gave me the space To meet you halfway And now we're in the same place Matter of fact, 
international acclaim, if I may say. Yes. Uh, Eric Fraser, he does vocals, kungas, percussion uh, on the album, along with Pamela Cornelius, who's on vocals as well. And he has the, um, the legendary uh, Danny Mixon on piano and Yoshi Yusuke uh, also on piano on one of the tunes, right? Yes. A couple of the tunes, couple actually. Tunes, yes. Uh, Jane Gee. And who else do you have? Uh, well, we have uh, on bass, we have um, Paul Beaudry. We got Lonnie Plaxico, both on bass. And on trumpet, we got Charles Bartlett of the Bartlett Contemporaries, mm -hmm. famous uh, group here in uh, New York. And on drums, we have Dwayne Cook Broadnax. Ah, yes. Yeah, Dwayne. Uh, both him and Lonnie take me back uh, oh. to Tyron Jefferson. I had the pleasure of uh, interacting with them musically. Fantastic. That's a great name, Tyron. Yes, indeed. Now, I see that you also have recorded uh, or performed with artists such as Alvin Poussaint, Farrah uh, Saunders, Jack Baduff, Reggie Workman, Robin Kenyatta, Carlos Garnett, Jimmy Ziegler, uh, Ziegler rather, Bob Cunningham, Stanley Banks, who uh, we recently, uh, I played with him actually at a funeral for brother um, uh, Bill Peck. Uh, that was about a month ago. And then, of course, he mentioned Danny Mixon and Dr. Lonnie Smith, Jimmy McGriff, Reuben Wilson, and uh, a long list of, uh, of great artists that has uh, joined you in your journey. Absolutely. Um, you were educated at Southern Illinois University with a degree in African African uh, Studies, Economics, and Sociology, and also Cultures, which you've completed in, in three years. So that's very impressive. You're really into the books, you know, focused. Absolutely. And uh, and uh, for me, it was like the work ethic, mm -hmm. you know. So I, I, I wanted to get ahead. I'm the one that uh, I felt like when everyone's sleeping, I want to be up burning the midnight oil. Absolutely. Getting ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, you know, that's something that's admirable. As a matter of fact, right across uh, from me is my wife, and she has the same work ethic and focus. And that's one of the things that gravitated me to her, you know, was wow. that energy. Wow. Uh, it complemented some of my needs in terms of really moving forward. Yes. Um, you also received your master's degree in education administration and supervision and another master's degree in education policy and decision-making. Also uh, uh, very impressive. And that's an attribute to you being able to focus. And uh, it's uh, the one about policy and decision making is the one that uh, I'm really uh, I'm really interested in because of the policies and the decision making that we have going on today. Uh -huh. You know, I, I don't think kids should be going. People who want to teach going be going to school for four years. I think those last two years are just worthless. Mm -hmm. They should be in the schools. Mm -hmm. They should have a uh, a mentor while they're in the schools. They should see if they like kids. They should be able to get a chance to understand the psychology of kids and the culture of kids uh, and so that they can learn and know how and understand how to motivate kids. Yes. Because that's an important part of what they're supposed to be doing. And motivation is re really uh, absent these days. Yes. More than just about half of the kids are leaving school before high school. Yes. And so uh, the motivation is totally necessary, and we all need to be inspired. And kids too. Mm -hmm. So that's part of a lesson plan. You know, you, you have to aim, motivation, development of the lesson. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got a um, uh, review of what's just been the two or three concepts that's been learned, and then you have your follow up with homework and so forth. And mm -hmm. it's a whole process. And so 
those last two years need to be spent in the schools with the kids, learning how to understand and deal with parents, and also understand and deal with the work situation and with the professionals on the job, including how to work with a supervisor and someone who's there for staff development. Mm -hmm. So true. My wife, uh, uh, she will uh, share with us um, when we decide. She's an educator and has been in the school system as what, for eight years as a teacher, hon? So I taught in both the public and private school sectors for about eight years. And um, what our esteemed guest is talking about is so important. If you don't understand, if, if a teacher does not understand the cultural sensitivities that go along with the children they're teaching, and that means they'll have to understand more than one, okay? Mm -hmm. uh, it's difficult to motivate them. Mm -hmm. And it's also a challenge in dealing with the parents. That cultural sensitivity is so important. Yes, yes, indeed. As a matter of fact, you're involved now with policy on your job uh, relative to the social dynamics of raising children and, and, and having a wholesome family environment. And so indirectly, because I'm not currently working with directly with the families, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, however, it, it is an important component, the, that, that cultural sensitivity, you, you can't, you can't um, shortchange that. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I would say that uh, right now, given the political uh, temperature, <laughs> if I yes. can put it so uh, 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 appropriately, it's, it's even more germane and important that uh, those of us of African descent concentrate in these areas in terms of how our children are raised and also educated. Absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely. You know, there, there's been philosophers in the past, and some of them say that, uh, you know, children, including everybody, learn through the environment. Some of them say they learn through the, the senses, and that was the African philosopher, mm -hmm. um, St. Augustine, you mm -hmm. learn through seeing, touching, feeling, hearing. And we, and this, this learning comes about through an inner light that we have in, in us that it brings all of these senses, as the doctor was saying, to our spirit and our soul and our intellect. And we process it, and learning comes about. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and then, you know, if we're learning properly, mm -hmm. then as the, uh, one of the great uh, African leaders says that, but you can tell an educated person because they understand that the, the importance of being of service to ah, others. Yes, yes. yes so yes. this is what we're looking I'm so for. happy you mentioned that, the importance of being of service. Yes. I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it was Muhammad Ali mm -hmm. that said service is the rent you pay to be on this earth. Oh, and my that, goodness. That just hit me. Could you say that again? Service is the rent we pay to be alive on this earth. Very, that's, very uh, nice. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and of course, those of you who are listening, uh, please uh, feel free to um, Google and <laughs> do your research and, and get back to me. But I believe it was Muhammad Ali uh, that made that, that, that uh, statement, that quote. Um, and by the way, those of you who are listening, if you'd like to um, call in and speak with Eric and, and, and uh, share your thoughts, uh, you can call in at... Um, 713-955-0716. Again, that's 713-955-0716. Oh, we're going to take a short break right now and continue with this uh, lovely tune 
uh, in the same place by Brother Eric Fraser. Somebody has to tell me what it means. I think I'm falling too much in love because you're the only one I'm thinking of. Some days I stroll down to the park. I sit and gaze until it's dark. I wonder why I feel this way. You're in my head. There's nothing else to say, yeah, yeah. One love that's us, it's the way it should be, open my heart. You have the lock and key when we're together. You make me feel so good, baby, I'm so glad. I finally understood. about it, girl. I want to take time to have you in my world. You showed me the love and gave me the space to meet you halfway. And now we're in the same place. Okay, yes, we're back. Thank you again for joining us. We have here the legendary Eric Frazier here in the house, and uh, it's a pleasure to have you with us, my brother. Thank yes, you. indeed. As we were talking, uh, you were quoting a person uh, earlier. Yes, that was the, the great African leader, Julius Nyeri, who made uh-huh. the quote that you can tell an educated person because they understand the importance of being of service to others. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a good criteria uh, to uh, to uh, understand about uh, who is an educated person. Because we have so many people who have uh, been through all of the all the degrees and everything like that. But now you look at their actions, their decisions, and and their, the things they do, and you can you can see that they are trained people and educated people. Mm-hmm. Trained people, they they're oh, trained like to do that. stuff. Like yeah. Yes, yes. And they just do stuff by rote, by recipe, uh, and it's not a whole lot of thought uh, and a, a lot of factors going into their decision. But an educated person... No critical thinking. Exactly. Uh, yes, but an educated person deals with the empirical uh, knowledge, uh, dissects it, and then also comes up with his or her own take on what they've uh, learned. Yes, and that's going to end up being uh, good for everyone. <laughs> Well, I like that holistic approach, as indeed this show is uh, uh, titled Grassroots Holistic Health Radio Talk Show. So uh, we are coming from a very holistic uh, perspective in terms of uh, how we need to be mindful of mind, body, and spirit. My wife and I both are vegetarians, 
And um, I've been one for going on from 26, 27 years. Honey, you've been, what, for about Ten. nine? Ten years. Yes. And um, we find that it has enhanced our relationship as husband and wife and also our ministry as we both are ordained interfaith ministers. So we we uh, wear a few hats just like yourself. <laughs> I know some people wonder, well, what do you do? You know, they say, let me start, you know, uh, and, and, and share with you. And let me just back up a little bit uh, and not get away from this uh, educational piece, and then we can move forward. Uh, what was mainly the inspiration for you to decide to become an educator? Who, who in your family? Was it your father, your mother, or that's a really good, that's a really good question. My my aunt was a teacher mm-hmm. in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. She graduated from Temple University, mm-hmm. and um, she uh, was the one that when my for Christmas present, I remember she bought me a football helmet. Mm-hmm. I became a, a very good football player at a very young age, uh-huh. and um, uh, then she bought me a chemistry set. Ah. <laughs> oh. I, I I I learned all of the atomic numbers and the the, uh, the all of the elements and everything mm-hmm. at a very young age. I was in junior high school, so when I got to high school, mm-hmm. I basically knew basically I was ready, you know. So yeah. I I just got aced right through high school chemistry, and when I got to college, I was a tutor tutoring my my one of my best partners and another friend. And he he also became an uh, a super, assistant superintendent of schools, uh-huh. and uh, but I used to tutor him uh, in um, chemistry, uh, a gentleman named Frank Spadley. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, um, as a matter of fact, he was the assistant superintendent of this district right here, District 16. Yeah. You know, I, I was just thinking about Prez uh, Young. Is that his son? Or no, that it, is, no, it is his son. It is his son. Okay. Yeah, Prez. And this is this is a very famous saxophone player. Uh, that um, was one of the legends, as we read, of, of Bebop. Yes. And his son became an educator, indeed, the superintendent of, of schools yes. in this Lester, district. In yeah, Lester, district. Lester, Lester Young. Lester Young, yes. Same name as his dad. Okay. Interesting. Uh-huh. Interesting. Yes. Uh, did you get a chance to interact with him? Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. Very, very much so. And um, uh, he became a superintendent uh, here in Brooklyn in uh-huh. District 13. Okay. So... Uh, which was very, very interesting. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I also noticed that you're pursuing your doctorates, uh, taking courses at, at those right now in policy decision-making well, yeah, at I took, Columbia University? Absolutely. I finished all of the courses oh, you did? for the doctorate, yes. And I was working on a dissertation, and then I got a new job. As soon as I put out my resume, I started getting these jobs. Mm-hmm. So I, I got a new job uh, and working in a district office, then I got another job in another district office. I worked in district office in Brownsville as the coordinator of reading and writing, mm-hmm. and then I became the test coordinator mm-hmm. for that district. Mm-hmm. And then I became test coordinator functioning with central board and with the school district, mm-hmm. and I trained about one-third of all of the district school district test coordinators here in New York City. Mm-hmm. So uh, I continued to get these jobs, so I, I didn't finish doing the dissertation, mm-hmm. so I just went on with my career. Okay, okay, great. And you might revisit that possibly in, in, the, in the future? Or uh, I don't think so. I have uh, a few other things I have oh, to do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's enough for me. Man. Uh, well, yeah. I know I've heard yeah. some stories about yeah. how one can get burnt out in that area. 
Oh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, well, I, I had to leave because um, there was too much incompetence in the system, mm-hmm. and uh, you, you be in an organization like that, and you get sick. Yes. Because you can't work in an environment like that. There's yeah. no... It's very toxic. Toxic, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, so it was uh, a very good experience. I did 33 years, and they, the years went by like that. I had a lot of things that went that took place where you would think it was miracles. I had uh, two kids, two different schools, uh, one in um, Bed-Stuy, right? Uh, no, they were both in um, Crown Heights. Uh-huh. Two kids that people thought were like deaf and dumb or they couldn't speak. And they were talking to me every day. Mm. And um, uh, and uh, the parents wow. learned about it through me. Mm. And uh, those kids uh, began to grow and thrive. Mm-hmm. And I had a kid who was in seventh grade that could not read or write. Mm. I taught him how to read and write through using Stevie Wonder songs and the albums. He had the words on the back. Okay. Then I got him in the newspaper every day. We looked at the dictionary to learn how to uh pronounce word, mm-hmm. and then he would build his vocabulary on words he didn't know. And now that fellow is a teacher. Isn't that something? Yes. He's and you're amazing. in contact with him? I, I used to be in contact with him up until about 15 years ago, but uh-huh. it was uh, we lost contact. But he got into what was then the ABC program where they paid for his high school, yes. and he discontinued uh, Wonderful. on. Wonderful. One awesome story. Yeah. Awesome story. Now, let's, let's talk about the... The music that you're yes. involved with. Yes. Uh, you transitioned from the educational profession into music, or did you? Uh, did they run hand in hand at one time? Or? They sort of run, run, ran hand in hand. Uh, when I got came from school in Illinois, Southern Illinois University, I was into uh, music heavy. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I would go around and play all around, and um, and then it was at a time when uh, I think music was changing. I remember Reggie Workman. Yes. The great Reggie Workman played with John Coltrane. He's on one of my CDs as well. Oh, okay. Yes. Uh, now, how many CDs do you have? I have uh, eight. Eight. Uh-huh. I think and, eight. And they can be purchased also. Oh, yeah. Uh, we can talk about that later, but Absolutely. I don't want to interrupt you. You were in the train of thought. Right. So there was the Blue Coronet, mm-hmm. famous jazz venue here in Brooklyn. Yes. On Fulton Street in Brooklyn. By, uh, what is it, Habish Bay, right? David uh uh, Harris Bay, okay. owned it? Yeah, I didn't yeah. really know. Richard, Richard Harris Bay. Okay, Richard Harris Bay. So I guess this was in the 70s when things were going down and, you know, uh, as far as the venues, they weren't doing as well because of uh, they started using, um, was it DJs or whatever, or R&B became big, whatever, yeah. And um, so the Blue Coronet was on its last leg. So... I'm riding in my Volkswagen. I play, I play three congas. No, I was playing four congas at that time. And uh, so I'm riding around. So then I saw Reggie Workman coming out of the blue cornet. I, I don't know if I... He came out of the blue cornet. Yes. Oh, man. He wasn't looking too good, and I knew he had a problem, you know. Oh, yeah. He had a problem. Yeah. Little drugs and everything. I said, oh, man, my man, this great Reggie Workman, man, is on a you know, tough, tough time yes. here. Yes. I said, man... I'm going to just go ahead and focus on my education. I'm not going to try to make a career out of music. Mm-hmm. And then that's what I put down my drums for 15 years. Oh, okay. And focused right. on teaching, mm-hmm. you know. And um, and it was a good thing for me because I, I learned how to grow up because in order to deal with the kids, I had I said, I can't be like I am. Right. i got to grow up. you got to yeah. become a man. Yeah, i got to be, yeah, you know. And, uh, and I, I felt that I came of age one time when this young lady named Madeline Gonzalez, mm-hmm. Every day she gave me problems. She was in seventh grade, 
in school. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the classroom. Oh man, she's uh, she talking out. She doing, and I had to keep dealing with it all the time. So then she was in the principal's office in trouble, and mm-hmm. uh, and they said, oh, we might have to switch, change you to another school. Then she said, they said, well, will you? She said, no, no, I, I want to stay here. Uh, my teacher's Mr. Frazier. He understands kids. She said, I, I couldn't believe it. The girl that I was having so much problems with, <laughs> I didn't know that she was benefiting from it. What the heck, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I, that's the name though. That was a turning point for me. Wonderful. <laughs> so you knew that you had a purpose and that you uh, was able to affect people in a very positive way. Yes. Even uh, and and that's one of the things I like to share with the listening audience that I I often speak with that with my wife that we don't know who we affect. With her being a teacher, she has hundreds of students, if not thousands, who have benefited from her teaching. And uh, sometimes I'm with her, and you run into a parent or, or a child who you know, says, hello, Miss Farrell, that was her maiden name, uh, and said, you know, how are you? And I'm doing this, and I'm doing that, and they're so happy and to see her and proud wow. that she was in their life. So that makes me smile from ear to ear. Let's go back, though, to Reggie Workman. Yes. We can't leave this uh, to be remiss. Uh, back in the day, especially during the advent of bebop, mm-hmm. um, when uh, musicians started traveling to Europe and so forth and mm-hmm. other parts of the world, uh, they were able to access not just alcohol but drugs, yeah. such as heroin and cocaine and so forth. And in some communities, um, like cocaine was considered to be a designer drug, a, a luxury drug, drug that was used by the elite, if you will. And then, of course, heroin was being downplayed as something that was prevalent within the um, poor community. Mm -hmm. Uh, However, it was a poor man's way of self-medicating. And musicians and artists as a whole, whether he was an actor, uh, uh, a fine artist, a painter, and so forth, you, you had a frustrating life because you could not make any money to sustain yourself, to make a living with. And as a, a lot of rejection, and even if when you got a job, you were mistreated. So we were forced to, and I say we parenthetically mm-hmm. because I'm a, a musician and mm-hmm. as well as an educator and a minister, but I know I went through the journey of, of being associated with a lot of the brothers and sisters who were renowned and known, and I was disappointed. But I, I, I had empathy because of my background, my immediate, fam- my immediate family background, which I won't get into right now. However, I, I realized that uh, the, the, the uh, surge, uh, or should I say the prevalence of self-medication in our community is something that still uh, exists today. And Reggie, not to digress anymore, Reggie did pull himself up by his bootstraps and became Absolutely. the director of New School of Social Research yes, in their sir. jazz department. Yes, sir. So he held that position for a number of years, and I, I just wanted to share that with the listening audience as we touched upon yes. his challenge in his early years mm-hmm. as um, Eric had the experience and getting to know him. Mm-hmm. And we later, he later recorded with me on a uh, CD called Find Yourself, Then Find Me. Ah, what a, how appropriate. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, we actually composed and arranged the tune right there in the studio on the spot. Isn't that something? Yeah, listen. That's 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 how some of the most greatest tunes were written. Yes. On the the, bar, on the back of napkins, uh, <laughs> on the garbage uh, 
uh, <laughs> grocery bag. Yeah. I heard that Duke Ellison wrote uh, the A Train, right, uh, on the back of a, a, a grocery bag as he was riding the train, you know. Uh-huh. I just got finished riding the train. Uh-huh. Monk used to write a lot of his tunes by standing at the corner not too far from Lincoln Center oh, and just oh. taking in the music of the traffic and oh. looking up in the sky and, and letting oh. the muse yeah. communicate with them and uh, not just the muse but the ancestors, as it mm-hmm. were, mm-hmm. and the God Most High um, come through him. Mm-hmm. And that's who we are. We're facilitators yes. Uh, yes. Of, of, of this uh, cosmic energy, of this healing energy called, uh, called music. Yes. And indeed, jazz is uh, a joyful noise. Absolutely. And that's why I'm so happy that we uh, were privy and blessed to be part of that experience. Absolutely. And you know, the name of that tune that Reggie Wakeman uh, recorded with me was called Don't Get Too Close. Mm. It is a duet, and mm. it is based on some of the songs that were recorded by Ella Fitzgerald mm. and um, Louis Armstrong. Oh, yeah? Yes. Wow. Yeah, wow. so that's uh, uh, Dr. Marguerite Mariama was mm-hmm. the female vocalist on that with yes. me. Mm-hmm. Oh, wonderful. Marguerite Mariama, I don't think I've heard of her. Well, she was uh, here in, uh, in New York for a time. She's in Chicago. She's from Chicago. Uh, uh, she, she actually uh, went to Southern Illinois University with me at the same time. Okay. And she was uh, once married to the the... Roger Green, the Sullivan, yes, politician here in Brooklyn, New York. Oh, yeah. they were married. Interesting. Yes. Yeah, Roger's teaching now over at um, Meg Evans. I yes, he's a professor yes. over there. Yes. Good brother. Yes, very good brother. So uh, we're going to take another break and continue uh, with this lively discussion uh, about Eric Frazier's experience within uh, the music world. A dream, somebody has to tell me what it means. I think I'm falling too much in love because you're the only one I'm thinking of. Some days I stroll down to the park, I sit and gaze until it's dark. I wonder why I feel this way. You're in my head. There's nothing else to say One love that's us It's the way it should be Open my heart You have the lock and key When we're together You make me feel so good Baby, I'm so glad I finally understood Talk about it, girl. I wanna take time to have you in my world. You showed me the love and gave me the space to meet your way. And now we're in the same place. Now, this this tune, I really every time I play it, man, I I, I get visions of you uh, romancing a, a a lady. Uh, who uh, made an impression upon you, 
And just wanted to know, what inspired you to write that tune? Was it a, an actual experience, or? It's a good question. Uh, um, it it wasn't any particular experience. I know I used to, I would wake up in the morning, mm-hmm. and I would just hear these lyrics, and I would write them on my phone. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would sing them to the phone. Okay. And then I'd have musical notation written about it. Um, wait a minute. Uh, I think after I did the song, then I could place people in that that I could think about that I would, you know, con- I would be on my mind while I'm singing the song. Mm-hmm. But before I sang the song, I didn't have any particular mm-hmm. situation. Okay. Uh, who's know. who's the um, sax player this one that? That that is Gene Key. That's Gene Key. Yes. Okay. So on this particular cut, you have uh, Gene Key. Yes. And who's on piano? That would be um, Danny Mixon. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, on bass, I believe that would be uh, Paul Beaudry on bass. Okay. And of course drums. That's, uh, that's Dwayne. Dwayne. Okay. Yes, Dwayne Cook brought an axe. Yes. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. So you use Dwayne a lot, I think, in quite a few of your, uh, your uh, albums and let me see. tunes. I think this is uh this might have been the first one he was on with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, you're, you're surrounded with yeah. some very talented uh, musicians, yeah. and mm-hmm. and I, if you tell that you guys have a cohesion in terms of uh, really anticipating each other's uh, uh, improvisational. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm coming up with things that this is a very interesting interview because you, you know me and you bring up things that nobody has ever brought up. Uh-huh. <laughs> because <laughs> we recorded, I mean, we rehearsed. Yes. A number of times. I'm going to say like maybe six different rehearsals. Mm-hmm. And the guys on the album, they are so uh, in demand that they're playing all the time with different people. Oh, yes. So every time we come back to rehearsal, it's like starting all over again. <laughs> oh, wow. Isn't that something? Yeah. Isn't that something? And uh, even at the recording, we still uh, had to um, review some things, go over some things. And uh, but, we, but these guys are professional. Once we started playing, that was it. So we, did, yes. we would do one song, and then we'd come out, hey, that's cool. Okay, mm-hmm. let's do it again and see if we can do it better. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, like that. So the, we heard the uh, re- studio time was like very little compared to uh, mm-hmm. the songs. We had rehearsed it so much that they finally had to come together that time. It was it was good. Well, that reminds me of you and myself. Mm-hmm. Perfect segue. You called on me oh, a couple absolutely. of times to play um, African drums with you. And yes. I, did we do congas together? I think I've only played I'm at sure your house. we did, yeah. yeah. And um, we never rehearsed. <laughs> no, we never rehearsed. You know, I mean, you already knew. You knew everything. You knew all yeah. the rhythms and so forth. Mm-hmm. And so it was beautiful. It was like harmony, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think the last uh, fair we, uh, event we did was a funeral, if I'm not mistaken, right. uh, for a young, yeah. a young uh, boy that passed away. Mm-hmm. But uh, it says something in terms of those of us who have been out there for a while to yes. be able to uh, extemporaneously uh, connect with one another as if, you know, it was yesterday, exactly. and still pick up from where we left off and, and have fun playing. Mm-hmm. So uh, I want, to, want you to know that I enjoy every time we do get together to play. That's uh, oh, I, it's I always do a treat. Um, now, what I'd like to touch upon is the fact that you have become 
uh, somewhat of a of an icon within the Clinton Hill uh, Fort Greene community. Uh, with the concerts that you do every year at Fort Greene Park, which uh, is, we had an interesting conversation a couple of days ago about the park itself yeah. uh, being a, uh, a resting place for former slaves, and as well as the soldiers who fought in major um, battles here in New York City and the tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'd like you to share with us, the listening audience, a little bit about that experience. Right. It was uh, well, former slaves and then free blacks as well, a lot, mm-hmm. a lot of free blacks. And that was the uh, Fort Wayne Park uh, area around the hill was a uh, uh, a grave site, mm-hmm. grave site. And, uh, and um, I, I'm not, I believe it's around in the late 1700s, early 1800s, mm-hmm. you know, and... Uh, and then that took place there. Uh, also, the Fort Wayne Park was a place where James Baldwin would come and write his notes, and he, he would write some of the great uh, books that he wrote uh, right there sitting in Fort Wayne Park. As a matter of fact, James Baldwin. James Baldwin, yes. Wow, isn't that something? I actually met him there in Fort Wayne Park. Oh. <laughs> yes, I actually met James Baldwin in Fort Wayne Park, uh-huh. and uh, I, he signed uh, two uh, business cards for me, mm. which I gave to my daughters. And uh, we we did a, a special show there honoring tri- a tribute to James Bowen uh, as well. And I remember Danny Mixon played with me. We played at the the monument there on the top of the hill. Yes, yes. And uh, that was a very nice thing. I, I really uh, that was very uh, as very memorable for me. Yeah, there's a book by James Baldwin which uh, I've noticed on social network. Um, I'm not your Negro or something to that effect. Yes. Have you read that? Um, I may not have read it. I read a lot of his books, but mm-hmm. not that one. Because he wrote a lot of books. Oh, absolutely. A lot of books. Yes, yes. yes. Uh-huh. Um, um, uh, which one uh, is he's most famous by? Of, um, oh, so many. What did he write? Uh, one called Black Boy. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. And a number of others, of mm-hmm. course, yeah. So we, we need to really, uh, I need to do a show concentrating on James Baldwin and his writings. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially for the uh, elders who may need to be reminded of, of his works, so they can share it with the uh, with the um, uh, mm-hmm. the the youngsters that are in their life. And uh, it's something that I like to also have you sit with me in the future, and we can talk about Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Um, we're going to take another short break. And, and really continue with this fascinating discussion. I, I want to definitely not uh, leave the area of the Fort Greene Clinton Hill concert uh, conversation. I see your face. My dream, somebody has to tell me what it means. I think I'm falling too much in love because you're the only one I'm thinking of. Some days I stroll down to the park, I sit and gaze until it's dark. I wonder why I feel this way. You're in my head. There's nothing else to say, yeah, yeah. 
my love, that's us. It's the way it should be. Open my heart. You have the lock and key when we're together. You make me feel so good, baby. I'm so glad. I finally understood. Okay, uh, we're back. And yes, indeed, uh, I know you. those of you who are listening are interested in, in finding out how can you get access to this recording. And uh, we also would like you to know how to um, communicate and contact uh, Eric Frazier. Would you like to share with the listening audience, um, number one, your, your website, your email address, and other particulars in terms of them being able to access uh, your recordings. Absolutely. Uh, one, uh, you can access, access my recordings on www.ericfrasermusic.com. That's E-R-I-C-F-R-A-Z-I-E-R. And also you'll find it uh, on iTunes, Amazon.com, uh, Rhapsody, uh, Spotify, uh, and uh, wherever... Um, you know, music is sold for the internet. On the internet, you'll find it there. All you have to do is put my name in Google, and uh, and uh, it's a, it's a great and wonderful thing. Um, also, uh, for contact contacting me about the music, jazz festival, that would be jazznest at aol dot com, but with one z, so j a z n e s t at aol dot com. Now, you also offer uh, services as a producer and as a recording um, executive, right? You have facilities in, in a studio which you can use, which one can uh, make use of in terms of doing their own recordings. Well, for recordings, I, I uh, like to work with uh, Park, Park West Studios in Brooklyn. Uh-huh. And okay. uh, um, so it saves me from a lot of doing a lot of labor-intensive stuff. Mm-hmm. Um I can also produce CDs, uh, but I do it sparingly because it is labor intention, manufacturing, you know, a lot of lot of stuff there. Yes. But uh, we have that uh, capability. And um, uh, also for recordings, uh, you know, I've recorded like about eight CDs and uh, maybe more, but uh, maybe nine. And uh, so I have the experience of being an executive producer, being a producer there in the studio, knowing what I want, knowing what to look for, to focus for, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Wonderful. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. So let's go back to Fort Greene. Yes. Touching upon that experience. Yes. Now, the Fort Greene Park Jazz Festival takes place every year, mm-hmm. and it's usually around the third week in July, mm-hmm. and the, the week, the Saturday after Labor Day, in September. Mm-hmm. So for 2017, it will be July 23rd. Okay. And, Great. Uh, se- and September 10th. Mm-hmm. Yes. And uh, the Fort Green Park Jazz Festival came about as a result of some of the things that I, I like to do is in terms of service to the community. It's a free jazz festival. And uh, we have uh, some of the best musicians and performers there. And uh, we basically, um, I have a show that I do every month uh, at Rustic uh, Restaurant here on in Brooklyn, 471 Decap Avenue. It's the first Tuesday of each month. And I use the musicians and the vocalists who come there. Uh, it's sort of like a, a reward for them and a culmination of the, the their uh, input during the uh, jazz jam session over mic at Rustic. And... Uh, I don't know. 
I guess this is airing today. Yes, yes. So uh, within within the next uh, fifteen minutes after we finish. Oh, very good. So for those listeners, uh, you can catch us this Tuesday. That will be uh, seven p.m. to eleven p.m. at uh, Rustic Tavern, four seventy one Decal Avenue, uh, where we'll have a jazz jam session and open mic, and uh, it is a lot of fun and. Uh, uh, we definitely invite you to come and join us. Wonderful, wonderful. I have to stop back, uh, stop by rather. Oh, cool. and and definitely pay you a visit and experience that. I've oh, fantastic! That, that date is February seventh. I didn't get a chance. February seventh. Yes. Okay. All right. So um, the Fort Wayne Park piece is uh, the concert. You're having two of them this year. I'm having two of them this year, mm-hmm. uh, as I do each year. And I'm going to say, and you're the first to know this, that uh, we have been funded. Wow. For the Fort Green Park Jazz awesome. Festival. After, after uh, this will be our eighth year doing it, mm-hmm. and uh, I would do it myself. But now we're being funded by the uh, Council on the Arts mm-hmm. and, uh, and uh, through a partnership with the Fort Green Park Conservancy. Ah, okay. Yes. So Wonderful. I said. Congratulations. Thank you so much. <laughs> you know? So I said, well, oh, man, I don't know if, I, I, I don't know if I'm going to be putting it out and so forth because now I get people because I was getting people from California and they were to come and play in the festival. Yes, yes. But the the kick is that I use the people from my uh jazz jam session yes. and open mic. Okay. And uh and then and that's where we get, you know, some of the personnel. And so it's it's a it's a great thing and uh as I've been doing the uh jazz jam session now for eleven years. Wow. And it's the longest running mm-hmm. jazz jam session in Brooklyn. And this is at Rustic. At Rustic, mm-hmm. yes, and uh, maybe in New York City. Ah. But I, I don't know that, but I know for Brooklyn it definitely is the longest running consistently. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, that's that's exciting, and, and I'm sure that those of you who are listening, if you would like to attend, we would urge you also to share the word, to spread the word uh, with those within your circle of influence. Um, it's very important that we uh, embrace this historical uh, music, uh, the only uh, original art form produced by this country, if I may add. And indeed, Lord knows we need uh, the experience of having healing music in our life. Absolutely. And you know what? Um, this tune that we're listening to called In the Same Place, it is a, uh, since I do all types of music, mm-hmm. I do um, I do soca, I do calypso, reggae, Afro, Afrobeat, mm-hmm. salsa, Latin salsa. jazz. Uh, I do blues, swing, bebop, uh, and all types. And so this is an example of one of the types of music which could come under the genre of jazz, of uh, R&B. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and a jazz component comes in with the musicianship and the solos that take place after you hear the vocals. So you might not have had a chance to hear all the solos, but that's where you, you'll see the connection to the jazz. Yes. And uh, on this album, by the way, you will find uh, you will find blues, you'll find salsa, you'll find um, R and B, and you'll find traditional jazz tunes uh, on this CD in the same place. Can they access uh, individual tunes like absolutely through the um, what is that area? Uh, you can access oh CD Baby I forgot I'm yes. You can also buy the, the the CD on CD Baby, and you can buy individual individual tracks. Mm-hmm. On CD Baby, iTunes, uh, Amazon.com, and so forth. 
Now, uh, and also on the website, www.ericcrazymusic.com. But I have to give you the information regarding the Fort Green Park Jazz Festival because there's a website that will give you the background for the festival. It will give you a little background about the Fort Green Park community and all of the great people that have come out of that community. It will give you, you'll get video, you'll get sample, uh, you'll get photos from the, the previous uh, festivals. Great. And uh, that will be www.fortgreenparkjazzfestival.com. And the green has an E at the end of it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, also, and so many things to mention, March 12th, Sunday, March 12th, from 3 p.m. to 7 p.m., there will be a winter Fort Green Park Jazz Festival. No, oh, yeah. Yeah, this is the, you heard it first right here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah we yeah, haven't even Something to warm your heart yeah. in the wintertime. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and, and this is the first time we've uh, said anything about promoting or advertising it because it's going to start over the weekend. Uh-huh. And uh, it will take place that Sunday from 3 to 7 p.m., March 12th, at the Five Spot right here in Brooklyn, and it's located on 459 Myrtle Avenue, mm-hmm. corner of Washington Avenue. Wonderful. Wonderful. And that's March? March 12th, March Sunday. 12th? Sunday, okay. March 12th. Wonderful. Well, you know, uh, we, we have your work cut out for you, needless to say, every year with these concerts uh, sure. and festivals. And uh, very much needed, uh, very commendable in terms of you being able to serve the community under that capacity, and I'm really happy that you're now granted, you know, of, should I say, funded. Yes. Uh, and and I know that that uh, is very important for us to be able to yes. uh, have the community organizations to recognize us uh, by their uh, um, their pockets. As it yes, were, you know? yes, yes. Uh, not just to give accolades and do reports, but to actually to dig into their budget yes. and to give those of us. Uh, such as uh, Brother Eric, who deservingly uh, should receive funding for the efforts that he's been doing out of his own pocket. Yes. So, uh, again, uh, those of you who are listening, uh, we're going to have Eric on again, and, and, and now you have access to his uh, contact information. And I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention to you that you can visit my website, which is at www.drumsofchange.com. Uh, that's www.drumsofchange.com. And at my site, I offer the opportunity for one to purchase drums, African drums, preferably for um, your family uh, and children, for that matter. We need to be able to bring the drum back into our community. It was uh, Ozzy Davis that said at my godson's school's fundraiser some 35, actually about 40 years ago, that he didn't want to talk about him and Ruby Dee's experience as a playwright and actors and so forth, but he wanted to talk about the drum. So he spent about 15 minutes talking to those of us in the audience. Actually, I, was, I had a band that I was leading uh, for, the, for the occasion, and we had a little talk after we got finished uh, playing. But he emphasized to the audience as well as myself, person to person, that we need to uplift our community via the drum because that was one of the first things, if not the first thing they took from us. And it was symbolic of, us, of them being those, uh, them being the um, the white enslavers who brought us through the Middle Passage and and just sold us off as subhumans, as it were, 
they knew that if they took the drum away, that they would uh, separate us from our spiritual ritual. And, and indeed, uh, look at where we are at right now. We have many of us in our community, when they uh, see those of us dressed with dashikis and, and see the drum, they're so conditioned as to think that, hey, that's something to not be proud of, to be almost even ashamed of. Um, so we need to reverse that. And how do we reverse that? By having, along with your piano and the other instrument that's in the home, to have the drum in the house. And someone who's a designated drummer so that he or she can be called upon to perform for any major event within the family and within the community. And that's uh, starting from births of, of newborns to those of us who transition and, and leave this world that the drum ceremony should be performed. And then marriages and birthdays and on and on. So let's just make this a, 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 um, uh, a drum call, no pun intended, that we can make this effort to get a drum. And you don't have to buy necessarily from my site, you know, uh, I would love you to do that, but indeed, any uh, music store in your community, any way you, in which you can access a drum, please be sure to do that. Again, that's www.drumsofchange.com. Okay, so uh, in the same place, you wrote all the tunes, am I correct? Yes. Mm -hmm. Great. So you're, you're, you're a poet. You started off actually as a poet before yeah. becoming a songwriter. Absolutely. Yeah, share with us about that, that experience. Very nice. Uh, I, I started writing poems back in 68, mm -hmm. uh, 68 maybe a little earlier. And um, uh, one of my favorite poets at the time was Don L. Lee. I remember Don L. Lee. Yes, who, who is now Hakeem Mahbudi mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, out of Chicago. Yes. And he would wrote. Uh, he he wrote. Uh, Don't cry, scream. That was one of his uh, uh, books. And I, I would I would go around reading poems from from Don't from from that from that book. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember my favorite poem. For those of you who remember, it was called Change. Ah. Uh, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, he 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 uh, he really got into it with that poem. But anyway, he was an inspiration for me. And then I began to write poems and. Um, uh, one I, I wrote a poem uh, called um, well it was called Dear uh, it was a lady's name I forgot the lady's name because I was in a fraternity I had just graduated I was getting ready to leave what fraternity is that again? that's Omega Sci-Fi Omega Sci-Fi yeah the Q's yes. uh -huh. and so this this young brother was, was pledging and uh, he says oh man this big brother wants me to write a uh, poem for his lady man he said go on, please help me man he knew I write poems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He said, I said, hey, man, I don't have time. I got to yeah, get out there. Yeah. Come on, please. So he came back, you know, two days in a row. He kept begging me. So he says, okay, man, I write a poem. Mm -hmm. So I wrote a poem, and I gave it, I gave it to somebody to give it to him. Yeah. I yeah. And uh, so next thing I know, two months later, they call me up from down in Carbon. They'll say, oh, man, they're going crazy over this poem. This poem, they, they, you know, everybody's talking about it and so forth. Uh, and that same poem, uh, in 1972, uh, the, the fellow on the radio, uh, the famous fellow on the radio, WBLS, he would read it every night before he went off. Mm -hmm. uh, and and when I went to school that day, I was teaching uh, at uh, Junior High School 57 here in bed Stuy, right. Stuy was in like It was in Larry Bird, was it? No, no. Uh, it was uh, the famous fellow with the lady here. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, Frankie Crocker. Frankie Crocker. There you go. Frankie Crocker. Mm -hmm. 
told you she's a teacher, man. Yeah, <laughs> Frankie Cocker. They told, I went to school that morning, uh-huh. and the, the the gym teacher knows he. Yeah. Oh man, they were talking all about you on WBLS. They were talking about who's this fellow, Eric Frazier? Who's this <laughs> poet? <with> this poet. <laughs> so, <laughs> so the poem was um, uh, I I changed it because I put it in a book. The book yeah. was called um, Black Gold and You. Yeah. I wrote that book. So then he uh, it was called Dear Black Woman. <laughs> ah. And uh, yeah, so ah. I don't know if you've heard it, but it was something like, "Dear black woman, you are the uh, dear black woman, you are the oh man, that's the name. Of it. I can't remember, man. It was, it was years ago. Dear black next woman. show, yeah, there, next there, show. Definitely, I'm dear black woman. You're you're the uh, you are the beautiful things that John Coltrane blew. You are a symbol of what love and peace and freedom knew. Uh, our sister's sister, my woman complete, loves, lovers love the only real treat. My sister, I saw you, the woman behind Shaka and Prempe and Lowitro and Vizi and Malcolm and Bobby, and now the woman behind me. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take to you. I love you. And uh, mm. that was just a little part of it. You know, I mixed up a whole I mixed a lot. I love but, it. Um, he would read that every night, man. Mm-hmm. And uh, 1972. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. Well, uh, I remember um, that. That was your poem. Yeah. I remember that. You remember what? that? You yeah. said something. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Talk about yeah. laws of attraction. What? See? And 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 um, wow, synchronicity. I'm, yeah. I'm a I'm a, a I, you'll find out. I don't know if you know it, if I mentioned it before, but I just love synchronistic events. And my wife and I, Dora, we're always acknowledging and, and experiencing that. But this here is just profound, wow. you know. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you was trying to remember and you about and then it, your memory yes, kicks so in and whatnot. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? And then I remembered it. And then yeah. I remembered yeah. it. Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Now, Haki Mahabutu, I met him through, uh, parenthetically, or through your, your daughter. Right. Yes. 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 Ewa. She was um, hosting and producing uh, an awards event for, for Sony Sanchez. Yes. And you called on me to p- perform there, I believe. Right? Yes, absolutely. There was a few things that we've done. Yes, that we was did. One of them. Yes. Yeah, that was quite an experience. You know, yes. I had the pleasure of meeting him and t- taking a picture with him. Yes. Along with uh, uh, Sonia, yes. who is a, uh, a queen mother, you know, an mm-hmm. elder, a nana. Mm-hmm. Sonia, of, Sonia Sanchez. Yes, yes. Sonia Sanchez. So uh, how is your daughter doing, by the way? She's doing very good, as a matter of fact. Um, uh, she doesn't like me to really talk you about it. You told me she things. has three masters now? She has three masters. Wow. And uh, and uh, mm-hmm. she may be a uh, professor at uh, a university. Okay. Uh, very soon. So, Wonderful. Uh, and this, Give this, her my regards. I will, yeah. I said congratulations. Yeah. 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 This came about just yesterday. I talked on the phone. Isn't that something? And, uh, okay. So uh, I'll be glad to be able to... Mention it once yes, it's uh, absolutely you look forward to about, her yeah. when she's in town, you know, to have her visit us. Yes, well, and, uh, well she, will be, she will be in town in March, uh, uh, March 10th, something like that. Mm-hmm. So she'll be, but she'll be in town for one day because she's getting ready to go to France and, and oh, okay. to London and perform over there. Now. Uh, so, well, uh, she's, she's now performing. Oh, yeah, on ongoing basis. Yeah, she, yeah, she's performing, she uh, awesome. does things there. Is it a band or? Uh, uh, no, she's doing her thing. Recitals? Yeah, recitals. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
and uh, she just had uh, she's gonna have a big thing coming up with uh, Barnes and Noble, mm. uh, mm-hmm. and uh, so uh, that uh, something that's gonna take place shortly. That'll be in St. Louis. Well, she she definitely has to meet Dora because uh, yeah. um, Dora is a, a poet and writer oh. And, oh. and and has oh. a, a published book that's. Uh, in the making right now, it's oh, about fantastic. to give birth to it. Wow. You know, it's going through a gestation period, as it were, yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. And um, wait until you, you hear her poetry, man. Wow. You know, uh, she's, you know, of all the people we've speaking about, including yourself, she's right there in that particular um, matrix, that yeah. frequency, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, now, that's a wonderful thing. Yeah. So it would be great if she could meet your daughter as well. Yeah. In terms of the Barnes and Noble connection. Yeah. And mm-hmm. and and the traveling, you know, mm-hmm. that that'd be wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Publishing, and yeah. um, well, about the poetry thing, uh, and I always think of Smokey Robinson too. Oh yeah. Now oh, he's yeah. a great poet as I well. Know. And I know. so the poets poets mm-hmm. have a real facility with writing songs. Yes. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And they can write some really songs that are beautiful songs, mm-hmm. but what's said in the songs is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So uh, that's uh, so you know anyone who's a poet, I recommend write some songs because you're going to write the best songs. Absolutely, yeah, that's an excellent idea, and and, and associate with the musicians who uh, mm-hmm. are in the same frequency as it were, mm-hmm. because it's from them you know you're able to get the music. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. Which which uh, collaborates with the song exactly that you that you're writing. Well, like anything that's played underneath the actual recital mm-hmm. is going to be good. Anything mm-hmm. that's played underneath. Absolutely. Because sometimes musicians tend to play too loud. Oh yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. Yeah. You want to uh, a compliment. That's right. You know, the, you want to uh, be supportive. <laughs> yes. As opposed yes. to uh, overwhelming and. And and that that takes a talent. Yeah. I, I played mm-hmm. with. Uh, I have this book here, The African Drum, oh. by Yaya Diallo oh, and yes. Mitchell Hall. You familiar with that? Uh, no. Not. Yeah. Well, he talks about it in his book uh, the title, the, Af- the Healing Drum: African Wisdom Teachings. And I I featured that. Those of you who are listening, uh, you can go to my archives, and I've done over 198 shows. I think he did 199. Oh uh, my God. Show. And um, I, I have I've done about three shows on the healing drum by Yaya and Mitchell. Mm-hmm. The point I want to make though is that Yaya talks about the fact that in the African community, in various uh, countries of Africa, uh, in this case I think West Africa, those mm-hmm. countries in West Africa, that uh, the drummer is the healer. He or she is the one who's the herbalist. He or she is the one who does the, the uh, divinations and, mm-hmm. and so forth and ascertains what's ailing a person or if not the community as a, as a whole. Mm-hmm. And uh, from that, I, I got from a philosophical uh, perspective that indeed uh, what uh, Martin Luther King said is one of us is poor, then we all are poor. If one of us is suffering, then we all are suffering. And we've been hoodwinked, as Malcolm would say, and <laughs> to think that we can afford and it's to entertain the fact that we're individuals right. and that it's all about me. You know, as long as I get mine, you know, then I'm okay, but not recognizing the fact that, no, if, if someone in your family or your community is sick, then it affects you, if not directly, at least indirectly. So with the drumming, uh, he, he, he talks about ego, that when uh, the drummers get together, 
it's not about who can do the longest solo and the most dynamic solo and, and, and fast hands and so forth. One waits one's turn. And if you're at a certain level of, of, uh, of, of perfecting the uh, art of being a drummer, you lay back, and that might take years before you're deemed to be capable of, of taking a solo. Mm -hmm. But you have in our um, community where people can just take up an, in an instrument as long as they learn the rudiments and what have you and they can get their licks, they're going to try and get on stage and, mm -hmm. and, and show off and, if not, overwhelmed. And I said that to segue mm -hmm. from uh, to, to, uh, what you were talking about in terms of mm -hmm. the uh, singer mm -hmm. having musicians that, that are very good who are able to mm -hmm. complement uh, their voice. And you know what? I also want to, because uh, you mentioned something about you know, the ego and individuals and so forth. These are Western type com concepts. Yes. Yeah. You know, yes. and, and yeah, upstaging, yes. competing, uh, uh, selfish, selfishness. Mm -hmm. As our thing from where we come from is more like selflessness. Yes. And um, working together. Unity, mm -hmm. uh, and that is where all of the we provided the basis for the whole for the, and the fundaments for the advent of well civilization. Yes, we taught uh, we taught Europeans about how to groom. We told them about language. We told them about math, science. Yes, all the academics, some of the philosophers, they call them philosophers who came from Europe. They went to Africa to see yeah. what was going on. Plato, Socrates, Aristotle, they all went, went to Europe. Africa. I mean, went to Africa, rather. Africa, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And and uh, they tried to, there was a grand launch of luxury where African uh, scholars would go and they would learn, uh, they would be into learning. Their mm -hmm. life was spent with learning. It was called 360 degrees of learning because you learned about everything and the web and how it was all interrelated. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, the... Uh, so uh, those philosophers that that you were mentioning, they when they came back and they would talk, try to talk about some of the things they learned, and they start poisoning them. Yeah. You know, you're talking about firing uh, things that so they poisoned uh, Socrates and some of the other guys, and um, because they got a little glimpse of what was going on at the Grand Lounge, but they couldn't get the whole story. Right. And so. Uh, so that the whole philosophy, the whole thing about learning and about living and having a, a, a good life, it's been warped now. Mm -hmm. And we can see that with things that are going on with the fellow who's become President Trump, it's become it, it's come to the pinnacle. Mm -hmm. It's out there now for everybody to see how warped uh, and ridiculous this philosophy of living is. Mm -hmm. Now, he 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 he's an example of what, what it can come to. Uh, and um, as a result, we, you know, we can see that the whole, for, for life in this world, the whole, uh, that, that idea is just going to depend on all of the people from around the world. And I'm going to have to say that it's going to be people of color because the other people who came in, they just, they, they destroyed and dismantled everything. And now, the, where are the values? Where are the norms? Where are the cultural relativity uh, that takes place? Where is the learning that takes place from what has happened from all these wise people from the, from all from back from before? Yeah. So, well, I can't live forever, and um, 
it, it, it shows up, in, I guess, in every part of uh, the culture. Absolutely. And, and I, I, I'm a firm believer, I'm coming from the school of thought that recognizes that in order to, uh, for there to be a diamond that exists, it needs pressure. And that um, now the community at large, uh, not only the, those of us who are in the United States, but the world community, we're under the pressure now to really step up to the plate and, and become the best that we can be from an ethical perspective, from a spiritual perspective, uh, from a cultural and intellectual, emotional perspective. Because a lot of us have been uh, digesting food that is uh, rancid, you know, uh, food using the analogy, the metaphor in terms of uh, our knowledge that we've gained, which is really just the tip of, of a pen <laughs> in terms of the knowledge that, that is available. Uh, I, I'm, I'm very grateful that we had in our midst uh, Dr. Henry Clark, uh, Dr. Ben Shahanan, uh, 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 Dr. Uh, Jeffries even, you know, and uh, uh, what's his name, Murphy, various books. I used to go to Sammy Wise's and, uh, and, and this peruse and browse, man, and I might not have enough money to buy a book that day, but they didn't mind if you split, you know, in store for two or three hours. Yeah, that's the Holland Bookstore, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. no, the Holland Bookstore is another oh, store. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, you had the Tree of Life yes, bookstore. Yes, yes. But Sammy Wise's was owned by a Jewish man. Oh, okay. And that's another discussion because okay. from a spiritual perspective, a lot of us have been uh, bamboozled and Malcolm mm -hmm. came back when he went to Mecca and mm -hmm. made his Hajj. Uh, and became a Sunni Muslim. Uh, he was interacting and uh, in, in doing his Hajj with blonde-haired, blue-eyed, white-skinned Muslims, mm -hmm. and uh, there was a brotherhood mm -hmm. there. You know, mm -hmm. it was beyond color, mm -hmm. beyond ethnicity, beyond one's background. But they mm -hmm. were Muslim mm -hmm. first and foremost, mm -hmm. uh, people of peace, embracing the concept of peace. And, uh, of course, there's a whole other dialogue which we can have in terms of the slave trade and so forth and so on. And I'm not going to get into that. But the point I wanted to make, though, is that there are people uh, such as uh, Bernie Sanders who could have won if, if uh, people were being more critical in their thinking about the options. You know, uh, Hillary Clinton, of course, had a lot of baggage, and, and she was dealing with embracing the concept of being able to lie and, and have that be a normal train uh, um, um, of thought. Hmm? So, yeah, so there are definitely a lot of factors uh, involved with that because remember, number one, imaging, they would make the image of Hillary Clinton that she was that way. Mm -hmm. uh, also, the fact that she was a woman, remember one thing, they don't respect women. Uh, remember when they were doing all these, making all these laws, women weren't even considered or included. Yes. Uh, it was not until the early 1900s with women's suffrage that they began to uh, be able to uh, have, get some kind of notice as for some rights as a person. Absolutely. Even now, even today, they don't get the respect. They don't get, they don't they, get equal pay. No, they don't mm -hmm. get equal pay. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, uh, the women are looked at as being um, weak. You don't respect them and so forth. This is how this society looks at. Mm -hmm. So they painted Hillary Clinton that way and brainwashed everybody so she... No, but she was by far one of she would have been one of the uh, best candidates to to run, um, and um, and the people that elected Trump, they, they they have no respect for their women. The way that they treat their women, 
the way that they, the role that the women have in the family and the house, well, in the household. Uh, it's uh, so, you know, it's uh, being bamboozled, being brainwashed is the way that uh, is the way they like to live, mm-hmm. you know. And um, as, if you even listen to this fellow Donald Trump, he will he will say ignorant things, but one of the things he'll say is some of the things he's doing, like paying people to uh, do things, uh, to show up at certain things, paying people to brainwash uh, people so that the candidate is looking at a certain way, anything, mm-hmm. so that they win. So, uh, but, uh, so uh, I, w- I would say that uh, the, the characterization that they put up for Hillary Clinton was uh, not at all right. Mm-hmm. They put her up as the, someone who was lying, all this like that. No, not at all right. Mm-hmm. Actually, now people are seeing, okay, he's the one. Exactly. You know, and and, and that's usually the case with those who Trump, point the yeah. finger at yeah. someone and yeah. their yeah. inadequacies is them. Like they say, you have four fingers pointing to you, but yeah. three yeah. while you're pointing to someone else. We're uh, going to take yeah. a, another break, and then uh, this will be the uh, we're coming to the close of the show. There's so much to talk about indeed, but we'll have Eric on again and uh, to continue in our heated discussion and, and uh, elevating discussion, if I may say. So uh, so please remain on, on, uh, on your dial, and we'll be back shortly. Somebody has to tell me what it means I think I'm falling too much in love Cause you're the only one I'm thinking of Some days I stroll down to the park I sit and gaze until it's dark I wonder why I feel this way You're in my head There's nothing else to say One love that's us It's the way it should be Open my heart You have the lock and key Okay, we're back And I'd like to just touch briefly upon This subject of politics Uh, Because every the thing in our life involves politics. And indeed, uh, I read something recently that uh, Trump or his administration was threatening to pull out, or should I say, to unfund the, uh, the arts uh, uh, funding uh, element within our school system and within the cultural system. And, uh, you know, some of us can say, oh, man, we can't have that happen and so forth. I know I, I read a post uh, not too long ago uh, on the social media. And my contention is that we need to stop depending on the powers that be, especially I think it was Henry Clark that mentioned that uh, it's, it is insane, it's crazy to depend on uh, the slave, uh, the one who's enslaving you to educate your children. You know, that's um, uh, basically uh, a contradiction in terms of, you trying to obtain those things that you would like to have in, uh, in terms of being healthy uh, mentally and emotionally and intellectually. So 
I, I say to the listening audience that we need to understand that music is, is, is not one of, but it is the highest art form. It is universal. It's a language that anyone can understand in any part of the world, no matter who you're communicating with, and what type of music you hear. You can tell whether it's, it's uh, happy music, uh, sad music, if it's uh, uplifting, rather. And we need to not uh, take it lightly that our children need to be exposed to music, not just as listeners and dancers, but those who have the capacity to actually be performers. You know, and everyone has that capacity. So we found that in certain societies, even in Japan that comes to mind, mm -hmm. they make it a point that each of their children has to learn an instrument. And usually they introduce them to classical music, which I know comes from, from Africa. If we do our uh, musicology uh, uh, in depth, uh, what do you have to say about that, Brother Eric? Well, you know, there are a lot of things to, say, to be said about that. Well, first of all, let me just mention that I had the great opportunity to study under the, uh, the leader in research on teaching in the United States, and his name was uh, Dr. N.L. Gage, and this took place at Columbia University. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, I was one of his top students, if not the top. And um, so, and here's what the research says, that children who study music are going to have higher grades, they're going to do, have higher academics and higher achievement. Mm -hmm. um, what the benefits are of having music and doing music as one is it gives you lifelong learning. It gives you a work ethic. And it gives you something that you can appreciate and have others to appreciate all your life. It also adds to lo the longevity of life. Mm -hmm. um, work ethic because you're going to have to work on your instrument to be, continue to improve on the quality and the creativity. And that's all your life, mm -hmm. lifelong learning. And... Uh, and it all only enhances the enrichment of your life and the lives of others. Yes. By playing this music and doing this music, it has an impact on the organs and the systems inside your body, and which helps to give uh, longevity. Uh, and that, that's one of the things. So music is a must, just like all the other types of learning, are a must. And what we find is that as we try to learn, see, in the system that we have now, a person can be uh, a student in science and failing in English. Mm -hmm. That's the Western way. Mm -hmm. Our way is that if you're a student, you're a student all the way around through all the academics. Mm -hmm. Okay? And that's how we teach. I have a whole other different way of teaching, mm -hmm. too, that I don't, I'll have to write about, but um, some of the stuff that we're talking about right now is going to have to be implemented. Yes. You, these kids are going to school for four years. It's a waste, and then they come out, and they just mess up the lives of kids and, who are trying to learn. Mm -hmm. There's nobody watching watching the hens. There's nobody watching the store. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you know, you, all of these great people who have been in these 
education, who have retired, or who have time on their hands, we can use their services to help mold and build and mentor these young people in their last couple of years of college. So all of the funding has to be changed around from, from having kids taking courses to going into school systems and schools to, to, to pay for the, uh, the classes, uh, the, 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 or not necessarily classes, they're going to be in there watch teaching, and then they're going to do expert, they're going to do teaching, they're going to sit down with kids, they're going to find out, these are prospective teachers, what kids are interested in, they're going to have to know about the culture of kids, what music they like, what they listen to, because these are all motivating factors that will help these kids learn anything that you can, anything that you can come up with to teach them. The kids, uh, as it, when they're young, they're way smarter than we than we, we 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 can think. You know, we have to be able to teach them. Every, we have to know the way to teach them everything mm-hmm. and bring all this world to them, man. And that takes attention, paying attention. Uh, you know, being mind in the store. You know, we have to watch these kids and develop these kids all the way through to the young adults. And so. Uh, I wrote politicians about some of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there are goals of education that the educational system will not even mention or talk about. Mm-hmm. What are the goals of education? Mm-hmm. There's a number of them. You know, appreciation for academics, appreciation for uh, uh, economics and economic relationships, appreciation for social relationships, appreciation for you know health and. Um, physical uh, wellness uh, and, and appreciation for um, uh, citizenship. Mm-hmm. And all of these things, these, they, they can be listed and quantified, mm-hmm. but you never hear uh, the people in education, the Department of Education, you never hear them talk about it mm-hmm. because they don't want to be held to it. Uh-huh. Now, I mentioned that I was a test coordinator so that you know about all the testing that goes on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Um, I can also tell you about the politics of it mm-hmm. on how it's used to show that there's being progress made where well, ain't no progress being made. Mm-hmm. So people doing anything they want to do with numbers. So these things have to be looked at, and sometime, one day, one day, one day, somebody is going to uh, be able to lead this thing so that these things ha- actually take place. Right. I know one thing I, before it's all said and done, I know I'm going to write about it, mm-hmm. and maybe sometime yeah. I'll, you know, I'll, I'll get out there with it, man. But, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, we need, we need uh, people to uh, get in the forefront with this issue. Um, Dora actually uh, mm-hmm. has taught in the school system as a music teacher as well, oh, as wow. an academic. Wow. She plays four or five, was it five instruments? Yeah. Wow. Violin, guitar, piano, uh, percussion, um, mm-hmm. and and she has been in the system, was in the system as a school teacher, uh, as a music teacher, mm-hmm. and some of the show I'd like us perhaps to be the next one, if um, we're all together, that we can have a, a roundtable discussion about that because I think that's something that needs to be touched upon on an ongoing basis. Um, so I'm 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 really. Uh, um, encouraged to hear you share what you just shared and, and the fact that you're looking to write and because uh, you've written for various magazines, I, I think. Yes, uh, absolutely. I've about that. Yeah, I had a column in um, Jazz Improv magazine mm-hmm. and a, a column also in Jazz 
Inside Magazine, mm. and I've written for Jazz Profile Magazine, which is out of Seattle, Washington, uh-huh. and uh, uh, and for a number of other newspapers and magazines as well. Mm-hmm. So um, and uh, so I had my posts on the things that were going on with different various individuals uh, mm-hmm. in the music, and uh, uh, particularly uh, with a lot of jazz band leaders on how they ran their band, how they inter- interacted with their band members how they motivated them, how they managed the band, and, uh, yeah. Another conversation in the future time, the next show, in terms of ethics. Um, People treat you the way you allow them to treat yourself or how you treat yourself. And and I found out that uh, there are various band members. I had an experience a couple years ago where I was asked to perform with them. Mm -hmm. And, of course, uh, I did and, and even went to practice and so forth. But they responded to me after we offered them a very discounted rate to have my services that they couldn't pay me. And I didn't get upset because that's another piece, too, that I think we need to mm-hmm. discuss, mm-hmm. that uh, from a spiritual perspective, mm-hmm. that uh, you can't hold on to, to uh, grudges. Right. You have to be right. ready to forgive. Yes. And if you can, can forgive unconditionally, mm-hmm. just like loving unconditionally, right. that you would be the better for it. Because mm-hmm. a lot of us uh, develop illnesses, as you know, from stress right. and and various dysfunctions within our family where we don't forgive each other and and, and on the workforce. Mm-hmm. And you can't take things personal. I always talk about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a book that I featured on my program, uh, The Four Agreements, which is don't take anything personal, uh, have impeccable speech, uh, do your best, and don't make assumptions. And if you can follow those four principles, your life would be so much the better. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, indeed, uh, in the same place, in the same place. I'm so happy that you're able to uh, to join us, Eric. Thank pleasure. you very much. It's my and, pleasure. And I hope well. you can come to the same place again. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and that title, in the same place, yeah. is, is that's exactly what it means. Yeah, People being people. having a the same understanding mm-hmm. and coming to an understanding, being in the same place. Yes. So again, those of you who would like to contact uh, Brother Eric uh, can do so at his website, which is again www.ericfrasermusic.com. Wonderful. And um, your uh, um, next show is going to be at uh, Rustic's actually the open mic, right? Yes, the jazz jam session open mic, which okay. would take place this Tuesday. From 7 to 11 p.m. Uh, uh, at Rustic Restaurant, which is located on 471 DeKalb Avenue. And there are two sides to it. One is the restaurant and the other is the performance space. And that's between what avenue? Which street? It's between Franklin and Kent Avenue. And uh, the, J, the G train or the C train will take you to uh, Franklin Avenue and it's like a block and a half away. Wonderful. Well, again, thank you so much. Uh, those of you who called, who Tune in, rather. I thank you for doing that. And, of course, those of you who access the archives, uh, please stay tuned for the next time we have Eric on our show as a guest. And I I would be remiss if I didn't thank my lovely wife, uh, Dorothy, for joining us. Thank you so much, hon. Thank you all for tuning in. God bless you. Yes, indeed. We thank the Most High. We thank the ancestors. Uh, we, We thank the the fact that indeed we're able to share this knowledge and this energy of, of the joy of music, uh, the joyful noise called jazz, and I'd like you to stay tuned again 
Um, those of you who are members of my uh, Facebook friend uh, uh, friendship, I will be uh, highlighting our next show, uh, who actually which will be next week. I haven't decided yet on which day, but I'm I'm looking forward towards next Saturday, uh, and and at the same time at one o'clock. So uh, please stay tuned, and I wish you all peace, love, and progress. Somebody has to tell me what it means. I think I'm falling too much in love because you're the only one I'm thinking of. Some days I stroll down to the park. I sit and gaze until it's dark. I wonder why I feel this way. You're in my head. There's nothing else to say yeah, yeah. One love that's us It's the way it should be Open my heart You have the lock and key When we're together You make me feel so good Baby, I'm so glad I finally understood So if you don't mind Talk about it, girl I want to take time To have you in my world You showed me the love And gave me the faith To meet your way And now we're in the same place Something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.